Unreal. Uncensored. Unradio. Cliffcentral.com. And this is Heavy Petting with myself, Leanne Mole, every Wednesday, 10 till 11. Um, if you want to give us a call during the show, please do. 0861 I promise one of these days I'm going to get one of the best vets in South Africa. No jokes. He has taught almost every vet in the country. He'll be with us soon. Um, we're trying to convince him. He's uh, a little elusive. And uh, perhaps we'll have on, him on in about a month's time um, to answer all the questions you've ever wanted to ask your vet um, here right on Heavy Petting, which is awesome. Today's um, lineup. Okay, we've got groomers, Pimp My Pup, who have come to the Cliff Central studio to beautify a rather dirty doggy. Uh, pet photographer Emma O'Brien visits us as the Santon SPCA launches a golden oldie calendar to promote often excluded senior dogs. And we reveal the most popular dog breed in South Africa. Sounds like a lot of doggy style on heavy petting today, but I promise there's a lot more, including what's new pussycat and the world's most expensive sheep and the world's wooliest sheep. So let's get right into it. Um, now, you've, you've heard about those mobile dog grooming vans, right? Well, they come to you to spare your dog the stress and trauma of traveling to unfamiliar surroundings. Now, Pimp My Pup takes mobile grooming to a whole new level. Grooming and styling are one thing, but Pimp My Pup is actually a doggy spa that does, wait for it, manicures, pedicures, full body massages. I'm watching Duncan, our producer, his brow is furrowing as he looks at <laughs> the dirty pup we've got in studio. And we've got Carla Rubin here, who is um, from Pimp My Pup. In fact, it's your business, Carla. Yes, it is. You set it up. It's, it's your baby. Yes. And what made you set it up? Um, I absolutely love my dogs, obviously, as most people do. And I wanted something that I would love to come to my house and groom my dogs. You know, um, wonderful staff, beautiful equipment. All our equipment is pink, as you'll see later. Mm-hmm. And just a really good experience for your dog to be absolutely pampered. Not the usual traumatizing experience at the parlor, but a pampered treatment for your dog in its own home, in its own territory, so it feels comfortable. Okay, so now yeah. how long have you been around for? Um, it was three years in July. And you look really young. Is this, this is something that you started up really young? I started it when I was 18, so My yes. My goodness. I mean, it really is a passion of mine. I knew exactly what I wanted to do as I left school. So I did a, a grooming course and a canine psychology course, and then I got straight into it. So, I mean, you, you get grooming courses, and you've yes. done canine psychology. Yes. I mean. You've got to know about that sort of stuff. You've got you to deal to. with so many different animals. You have to. And I'm thinking about sending all of my nine employees for a canine psychology uh, course at um, one of these colleges here just to help them understand dogs more. Although experience is the best thing, which they obviously get on a daily basis, and they've all been grooming for years and years. But just that little bit more you know, information for them mm. to help them understand dogs, aggressive dogs, scared dogs, all that yeah. type of thing. Because we, de- we deal with a lot. I'm sure, A lot yeah. of issues, yeah. Um, I had a, a dog, mobile dog grooming uh, place come to me once. Yeah. And they, I would often get home and they, I could see they were parked outside with nothing inside the van and no one anywhere near to be found. They were all inside the house <laughs> finding animals under beds and oh, behind curtains, shame. coaxing oh, them out shame. gently. Oh, shame. So it's so much more than just yeah. dunking a dog in water, shaving yes. it and drying it, you know. 100%. So that's really great. Okay, you've got Frankie with you today. Yes. Is he your dog? Yes, he's my Yorkie. He was meant to be a teacup and just carried on growing and growing and growing. Okay, so now he's a soup bowl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I still love him. So, um, okay, he's, he looks pretty good to me and yeah. well-groomed. But um, I'm sure that you can do absolutely amazing yes. stuff with him. Yes. Um, does he, do you pamper him all the time? Yes, all the time. Obviously, every opportunity. Yeah. Um, you shouldn't wash a dog more than once a week. It's not good for them. Mm. Um, so with mine, I do once every two weeks. That's what I like to okay. do with mine. So he hasn't been groomed for about two weeks. So to me, he's filthy. <laughs> no, I know a lot of dog people, a lot of people involved in animal charities. Yeah. I myself, when I'm really into doing something... I'm covered in dog hair and I look like a mess. I've got yeah. no makeup on. Yeah. You are absolutely beautiful. It looks like you've been through the, the Pimp My Pup van. <laughs> I think our, our, one of our, uh, our pervy assistants, Michael Flax, who you might know from the morning show, his eyes nearly popped out when you walked in. Yeah. Um, okay, so we're going to let you go, Carla, now that I've embarrassed you enough. 
um, so to much. take Frankie downstairs. Okay. Your vehicle is parked downstairs. You're yes. all hooked up. Yeah. Um, we'll take some pictures and I'll also show you on WeChat. In fact, there might be a picture up um, very soon showing you what Frankie looks like now. Um, and that'll be his before picture. So, yes, um, we'll talk a little bit later when Carla gets back about s- some more stuff that she does with Pimp My Pub. Pub. <laughs> I'd love a Pimp My Pub. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Pimp okay. My Pub. Off you go, you. Carla you and so Frankie. Much. We'll see you Thank in a bit. You. Okay, so we continue doggy style here on Heavy Petting. And, uh, by the way, you can check out the pictures on WeChat on the Cliff Central channel. You're probably listening to us via that. If you're listening to us um, via cliffcentral.com, then uh, I will tweet and Facebook the, friend, the photos as well. So we're now on to number one of the most popular dog breeds in South Africa after counting down the top ten. Now, let's recap. Tenth place, we had the Pomeranian. The ninth most popular animal or dog breed in South Africa is the Beagle. In eighth place, the Staffordshire Bull Terrier, or Staffy. Seventh place, the Miniature Schnauzer. In fact, uh, Damon Calvari came in to chat to us about the Miniature Schnauzer when we featured it a couple of weeks ago. And he is at home um, with various eye drops in his eyes because his Miniature Schnauzer, Candace Derman, took a little swipe at his face the other day, and Damon's reflexes being what they are, his eye didn't close in time. <clears throat> yeah, He blames it on the fast dog. Uh, I beg to differ. Um, and uh, he's at home busy nursing that. Uh, in sixth place is the Bull Terrier. The fifth most popular dog breed in South Africa is the Golden Retriever. Fourth is the Rottweiler. Third, the Bulldog. And they're referring here to the English Bulldog. Second, we featured last week, that's the Labrador Retriever. And now the most popular dog breed in South Africa and I wish I'd still had kept Carla in for a little bit because she'll be very happy to hear this. It's the Yorkshire Terrier. And here's what Animal Planet's Dogs 101 say about the Yorkie. Got allergies? No problem. This dog is considered to be hypoallergenic. That's because they have human-like hair, not fur. Fur holds more dander than hair. Dander can irritate people. And here's another big word associated with this little dog. Pharyngeal gag reflex, where sometimes air goes rapidly up their nose like a reverse sneeze and momentarily makes them snort like a goose. This is usually a harmless event that's over in seconds. Meet the second most popular breed in the world, the Toy and the Terrier. Ladies and gentlemen, the Yorkshire Terrier. I love Yorkies. You know, it's the dog who's always sort of looking for trouble with other dogs. Napoleon complex type dog, a a big dog in a little body. A Yorkie, they'll take on a big dog. They're very, very independent, feisty, intelligent, working little dogs. And talk about upward mobility. The Yorkie started in the cellar as a ratter, chasing rodents in factories in northern England, where their origin is traced. These dogs were bred to catch rats for the working class. And then they left the workforce for European high society and are now everywhere, like at this Yorkie meetup in Manhattan. I've had Yorkies since, you know, probably about six or seven years now. I've loved them since I was in college, and we have playgroups once a month. They're so much fun to cuddle with. Cutest dog ever. This portable pooch's ancestors are the Clydesdale and Paisley Terriers, which are now extinct, and the Skye and Airedales from Scotland that were brought to Yorkshire, England by miners and weavers in the mid-19th century. One of the most famous early Yorkies was a stud named Huddersfield Ben, who was said to be the father of the modern Yorkie and had tremendous influence in setting the breed type in the 1860s. The Yorkie crossed the pond to the U.S. in the late 1800s and was one of the first 25 registered breeds with the American Kennel Club. This is a small dog, officially in the toy group, but still a terrier. They average about 9 inches to the shoulder and weigh about 5 to 7 pounds. Born with a black and tan coat that quickly turns to tan and blue and is pure AKC, 
if it's uncut, flowing, silky, and dander-free. If the dogs are not for showing, the owners usually go for the shaggy look. And some owners like to trim the hair on the face to avoid food getting stuck in their whiskers. Most people choose to keep their Yorkies in what's called a puppy cut, with grooming is not that difficult. If you want your Yorkie to have that coat that's flowing, make sure that you focus a lot of energy on the grooming. Training with a Yorkie can be a lot of fun because they're so keen on their owner. They follow commands and learn very quickly. They're super fast, they love to work. You get them learning and following the commands. Man, you're not going to get a dog that's going to be more impressive. This is a portable, adaptable lap dog that does well just about anywhere. But it always wants to be with you. So leaving it at home alone or outside is not advised. A clipped coat needs daily to weekly combing. And the full show coat requires a lot of attention. You got to put a little bit of energy into brushing them and, and keeping them clean. But for the most part, that coat's not that bad. These guys are little and have fragile bones and are prone to tooth decay and gum disease. Yorkies make good pets for adults, but be careful around children. They can be snappy and even bite. This is a great dog to, to have if you're single. They're not dogs that I would recommend with kids. Yorkies are highly intelligent dogs that take to training well. I think Yorkies are a joy to train. They are bouncy and energetic. They're very, very focused on people. Although this dog may not be the best suited for you, it can live anywhere. The trachea is delicate, coat needs regular attention, easy to train, and best with older families. Every petting on Cliff Central every Wednesday at 10 until 11 with myself, Leanne Mole. You can take a look at my Twitter. It's Leanne Mole, all one word, obviously, being Twitter. Um, and it's L-E-I-G-H-A-N-N-M-O-L. Um, you can catch up quite a bit of stuff there, also on Facebook. Um, okay, it's uh, still a bit of doggy style here on Heavy Petting. Um, it's also our cause of the week and also about dogs looking for forever homes or finding forever homes. So we've managed to combine a whole lot of things into into this little um, insert that we've got now. It's about the Santon SBCA, which has launched a golden oldie-focused calendar. As we know, older dogs, or seniors as we call them, aren't always as fortunate as um, cute little puppies are during the adoption process. They're not as easily adopted. And uh, very often, owners even drop their older dogs at shelters because they're tired of the medical bills. They're tired of all the sorts of things that start to happen to older dogs. Um, it's, it's actually really sad. So stemming from this is the 2015 Santon SPCA calendar theme, Golden Oldies to showcase older pets as deserving adoptive candidates. And the very respected pet photographer who I've run into numerous times, Emma O'Brien, um, who isn't only a pet photographer, but we'll be chatting to her in that capacity today, uh, is the brainchild of the calendar. Let's take a listen. I'm Emma O'Brien. We're here today shooting the 2015 Santon SPCA calendar. We've made the theme of the calendar this year, Golden Oldies. Senior dogs tend to get quite overlooked at shelters. So we wanted to highlight just how awesome older dogs are, how great they look, uh, how great their personalities are, um, and just uh, what the, the, the positive impact of, of adopting an older dog would can have on your life. It's just so rewarding to have to keep an, a dog to such an old age um, without any health issues, um, with her knowing that she's had such a great life and knowing that um, if I hadn't taken her, who knows what would have happened to her. And the joy about having an older dog is that he's really calm and relaxed, he's wonderful with children and whatever treatments need to come up in his old age, he will be treated. I feel you need to give your dogs the best that you can. They've got no choice in life other than to be with you if you've chosen them. You know, having an old dog is is a lot more relaxing than having a young puppy that runs around like a crazy thing. So old dogs are normally a lot more easier to look after. She is a lot more easier to look after. She's the, the real mom in the house. He's an amazing little dog. He's what I call my furry soulmate. And what happened with him, he suddenly became paralyzed in his back legs. So we decided to let him have surgery. But a lot of hard work and prayers and... He actually came right, so we decided that he was actually meant to stay. It was quite amazing to see this little blind dog lying in the back of the crate. And what is very special about a special needs dog is that 
just because they're blind it doesn't mean that they they have no life they actually have so much life left and so much to give if nuns is one thing for us she's been um, our exercise partner we do a lot of um, running and hiking trail running and nuns must be the fittest 15 year old out there at the moment people often go gaga for puppies but when I just see an old dog for me it's a bit like seeing a tortoise they're just the most wonderful calm faithful their age just speaks of all the things they've done for you all the time he's he's lost his hearing which I think for him is quite nice because now he gets to sleep in when the other dogs are barking <laughs> so he's not always running out he, he's one of my well, I'd say my closest friend you don't even have to say anything and they know or they make you feel better. Rossi um, won the Golden Oldie uh, competition that the SPCA had. We entered him purely because we wanted to prove to everyone that even though he was old and his disabilities, there was no need for us to give up on him. He's led a completely normal life. Scooter's quite famous because I'm a family law attorney and Scooter comes to the office with me. She's gentle, she's measured, and she's just absolutely lovely with my clients. It makes my law practice much more friendly, much more family-like and approachable, and it's so much nicer for the clients. It was around about a year ago, last year, June, that I had to go for a knee operation, um, and I was bedbound for six weeks, which I was devastated about. So my sister-in-law, Janet, phoned me and said, there's this old boy, that needs a home, do I want him, or can I just look after him, seeing I'll be in bed anyway. And I think I just immediately fell in love with this boy. Tess is about 10 years old. Um, I adopted her from a street child. She actually goes with us to the old age home, and uh, she's a comfort dog. So she sits with the old people and the people in frail care, and she just lets them stroke her and love her, and she shows them affection. I got Takwa as a puppy from, she was from an unwanted litter. And um, she's my girl. She's um, she grew up with another rescue dog, which we got from well, we've knows. And um, he he passed away last year, so we've just got a new puppy, and also rescue. She just mothers him to bits. She just she's got the most amazing spirit. Heavy petting on Cliff Central. Um, if you have a chance, take a look at the video. Um, it's really, really, it's really great. It pulls at your heartstrings, um, and I think it's a fantastic idea, especially that the, these are for older dogs. Um, all of these photographs were taken of older dogs. And we've got Emma O'Brien in studio with us, so thank you very much. Almost all of my pets have been photographed um, by Emma. I've had the honor thereof. And... Um, Let's be honest, Emma, my pets aren't the most well-behaved when it comes to photographing them. Um, no, yours weren't too bad, I don't think. I live with four that are utterly, atrociously behaved as well, so it wasn't too, it wasn't too bad. I think the ones, the ones we shot four of my cats, it's always funny in photograph terms, you know, shot animals, um, but uh, we shot four of them in, in, in a cottage, and by the time you left, I was mauled by my own cats. <laughs> I think we got some shots of them on your shoulders or trying to pin them down, didn't we, over the, yeah. around the back of your head? I think in one of them, I might have nailed its feet to the floor or something like that. <clears throat> and then um, also most recently, um, Emma took photographs of my dogs in the park. Um, and the last f photograph that you took was uh, that I had of Amy um, was really great for me to have because I had to put it down a short while after that. So, yeah, she was my Faultese poodle, as I like to call her. Um, more teeth than hair <laughs> um, and definitely would have been a contender in the world's ugliest pets contest oh, no. <laughs> which is an actual thing don't try and be nice just because you're a photographer <laughs> okay so so this calendar of golden oldies mm. it's not your first with the SPCA no this is calendar number four so we started uh, the first one we shot was the 2012 calendar um, so so yes yeah, so the, the theme the the past themes have been 
dogs that have been adopted from SPCAs. Um, and this time we just wanted to do something a little bit different. Um, senior dogs do tend to get overlooked in shelters. And as you said, people often drop them off because they don't want them anymore. Um, and I think puppies do tend to be preferable for people because they worry that older dogs are going to die or they're going to cost them a fortune in vets' bills. Um, and as the proud owner of one very ancient sausage dog who came oh, yes. from the SPCA, yeah. um, they, I can, you, you can vouch for just how wonderful they are. They're very chilled. Well, he is mostly, but, um, <laughs> um, and they, they're very easy pets. And I think there's something very special about adopting a dog that's in the twilight of its life and, and being able to kind of love it in the last few years it has, especially if it's not had a great life beforehand. Yeah. That is, that's something that I always fantasized about as a, as a little girl was to walk into the SPCA and say, right, which animal is being put down next? Because I want to take that one. <laughs> which animal has been here the longest? Which one has not found a home? Mm. Um, and it doesn't matter how old they are or what they look like. You just want to give them those last few years of really, really good yeah, care. Absolutely, absolutely. Show them what life's really about. Mm. Um, it actually reminds me of something that I saw recently. Um, it's possibly one of, the saddest stroke happiest videos I've ever watched. Um, it's a woman in the U.S. who sets up these days for um, animal owners who know that their dogs are terminally ill yeah. or are going to be put down, and she'll set up a final day for them. Yes. And it's it's a lot of it's for the owner, for the owner to, yeah. to get to say goodbye to their golden oldie. Mm. Um, but it was just lovely. The one in particular was um, a black uh, Labrador. And they were, they had planned to put her down the next day. Yes, I think I saw it and yeah. they fed her biscuits and, biscuits and steaks yeah, no, and it was a day heartbreaking in the park. to watch. Oh, shame. <laughs> heartbreaking, but, um, at the end of the day, you know, I think they, they were all together when she was put down mm. and it's, as I say, it's probably more for the owners, yeah. um, in a comfortable situation like that. How old were these dogs that you photographed for this calendar? Um, I think the youngest was about eight. We tried to keep them as, we tried to get them as old as possible. And I think the oldest was probably 15. So, um, I kind of stupidly thought maybe it'll be easier photographing older dogs, you know, cause they won't be such a handful. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them were better cause they, they sort of sat quite still, but I underestimated the challenge of photographing dogs that were blind and deaf. Oh gosh. So, trying to, you know, when you're photographing dogs, you kind of have to make noises and yes. rattle stuff to get their attention. But if they can't see or hear, it becomes, uh, <laughs> it was very a slightly sort of farcical <laughs> challenge, but we got the pictures. But, uh, but yes, I think the most challenging one was Rossi, who's on the cover. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, bless him, is on wheels because he's paralyzed. Back legs are paralyzed. What type of dog is he? So he's a staffy. Okay. And I think Rossi is 11. Um, and, you know, yeah, you kind of think a disabled dog might be a bit easier to manage, but he was dragging himself all around the studio and slobbering everywhere. So it was, <laughs> it was like a circus, I think. Okay. So all the animals were brought to your studio. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and how did you find these animals? I mean, were they all, um, homed already? Yes, yeah, so they're all animals that, that, that are in lovely, happy homes. Um, we did a competition on the Santon SPCA Facebook page um, to find our cover star and some of our other participants. Um, and then some of the others, I think, we sort of collected up along the way. So with uh, with people that are on the committee that have got older dogs. Mm. So, But most of them were, were collected from our Facebook competition. There's a, a book on my coffee table. Um, I can't remember the lady's name, um, I think she may be Australian. She has a book called um, For the Love of Dogs, okay. which is f- photographs of dogs in her studio. Okay. And on the cover um, is this enormous old Great Dane. Um, and as we know, they don't live for very long, no. um, but he really was on his last legs. And standing in between, or actually on his ginormous shoe feet, was um, the tiniest little chihuahua. Oh, who kind of nestled between his, his legs. Um, and just reading about that photo, the photographer was so upset because after the photo, um, it was literally a few hours later that he died. Oh, goodness. But, but it, I mean, you get to hear about this. You yeah. get to hear everyone's sob stories. Yeah, absolutely. But I think it's very special to be able to capture that for people, especially with older dogs, because I have quite a few clients who I've taken photos for, 
um you know and you, they, they contact me six months later and they say oh you know the dog passed away and it's but it's so nice that you took the pictures because yeah. we have such a nice memory of them still yeah. um so yes yeah, so i think you know the the calendar was was about that and it was just about celebrating how fabulous old dogs are mm. um so we have you'll have uh I think, uh, I don't know if you've seen it, well, you've seen the pictures from yes, the video yeah. that we've got quite a, quite a collection. Absolutely. And now the video itself, um, how was that shot and how was that put together? Because that looks like instead of them coming to your studio, you may have gone to them in some cases. No, they came to the studio. Was, everything was done. I've just got a little studio at home. Okay. A company called Dust Cloud Productions. So they volunteered their, all their time to put the video together. Um, and then we just had over the course of the day, we had dogs coming in one by one. Um, and yeah, they were just following us around and, and shooting and, and they interviewed each of the dog owners so we could get their stories, um, and try and get a real kind of personal touch to the, to the calendar so people can identify with it when they, when they buy it. So, so you don't only photograph animals though. No, nope, your I'm portfolio afraid. extends beyond the furry types, <laughs> um, babies and families and people. Which can sometimes be more difficult to control than dogs. Yeah, I think if I had a choice between dogs and toddlers, I'd take dogs. Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, I'm putting you on the spot here, especially because you're on an animal show. Mm. Which is your favorite to photograph? Probably dogs, I think. Okay, no, then we're fine. <laughs> I was going to ask you to leave, but no, we're fine. <laughs> okay, so how do we get hold of this 2015 um, calendar? So the calendar is currently being printed as we speak. Um, it'll be ready beginning of, uh, when will it be ready, Candice? 18th of September is going to be launched. We have a launch party at La Vie en Rose in Alovo. Mm -hmm. um, so people can find information about that on the Santon SPCA Facebook page. Um, calendars can also be ordered straight from Santon SPCA. People can pop in and buy them or they can uh, order via the website, uh, which is santonspca.org.za. Fantastic. Um, I, I tweeted and Facebooked, as you saw, because you did the same yesterday about your visit today. And um, I received a really great tweet by Mari Biscuit 89 who is Steph, <laughs> who said, thanks to tomorrow's heavy petting topic, being golden oldies, my boyfriend has warmed to the idea of adopting an old rescue cat. Yay. Oh, how fabulous. Yeah. So I think it just shows you how it, it's not always monetary. Um, Absolutely. You know, the sale of the calendars that, yeah. that goes into this. Yeah. It's the effect that you have on people yeah. as well. It's about raising awareness and yeah. kind of spreading the word, I think. so. Yeah. Okay, good. Well, okay, so you say your doggy is quite old. Yes, I have uh, Jeremy. We actually, I was going to bring him in in person, but yes. decided against it. So um, we've got him here on a canvas. I think you've posted the picture on uh, on the Facebook page. Absolutely so I adopted beautiful. Jeremy in 2011, which is kind of why this all started. Um, and yes, Jeremy is anywhere between 9 and 15. We have no idea. That's the thing. You never really know. No, but he's still going strong. Missing a few teeth, but that's, uh, a, we, uh, that's how I usually <laughs> tell. I mean, with puppies, you can age them by their teeth, and with old, older dogs, I think that's when it starts happening too. Yeah, yeah. Um, so. And you, have you got other animals at home? I have three other dogs. Of course, of, you do. Uh, yes, <laughs> two of them are two of them are also rescues. So we've got two big dogs and uh, and the two smaller dogs. So my house is uh, sort of chaos on a daily basis. Yeah. Oh well, I think I think what you do is amazing. Um, your photographs are absolutely beautiful, and you. you've got this way with animals and with pet owners. I mean, I, I get quite nervous when my pets won't behave in front of a camera and embarrassed. <laughs> I and just you, think it's quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you do. You giggle, you giggle a lot, which helps the situation. So thank you very much. That's Emma O'Brien, who has been um, instrumental in launching the Santon SPA's Golden Oldies calendar for 2015. And as mentioned, you can go on to santonsbca.org.za to find out how you can buy one for yourself. I think we'll take a little break. When we come back on Heavy Petting, it's time for What's New, Pussycat? When the fear takes you down When the doubt takes you under When you sink like a stone And you can't breathe 
When the tears take control, when the demons take over, won't be in this alone. You got me. New Pussycat on Heavy Petting on Cliff Central. Give us a call if you'd like to. 089, um, sorry, 0861. A bit of a blast from the past. 0861-555-189. And uh, tweet at cliffcentral.com if you'd like to as well. That would be really awesome. So what is New Pussycat? Well, we remember Grumpy Cat, and I've mentioned him a couple of times. He has a little medical condition which causes um, his little face to seem grumpy, although... Even though he looks grumpy, he'll be playing about happily with a ball or some wool or something like that. So it's it's not because he really is sad. Now we have Tucker. Now Tucker the cat is a, a cat who has medical problems which led to a perpetually perpetually droopy face. Um, his little or her rather her little eyelids hang down quite low and she just looks really really sad. Um, again, she's not. We promise. But the good news is that Tucker has now been adopted. A very somber-looking cat now has a reason to enjoy life. Tucker, the so-called sad-faced cat, has found her forever home. The feline was born with a genetic abnormality that gives her an unusual appearance, most notably the droopy eyes. Tucker became famous online after she arrived at the non-profit care shelter Perfect Pals in Washington. Once her pictures hit the web, the kitty's expression started melting hearts. She was soon deemed the world's saddest cat, and it wasn't long before she found a new owner. The executive director of Perfect Pals remarked, "On the day that she was adopted, I felt so bad for the adopter because every single person at the shelter had to come in and say goodbye and hug her, and she's such a sweet little cat." 
Her new family will have to provide special care for Tucker. In addition to the facial abnormality, she also has a paw deformity due to missing bones in her front legs. Her claw position is abnormal, and when she gets excited, she runs the risk of dislocating joints. Oh, the little story of Tucker the sad cat. Well, um, it's good to hear that she's got a home. And despite all of her deformities, her owner, Katie Fox, who's a veterinary assistant, which is really great. So let's hope that she's not going to try and be a money spinner off of uh, little Tucker. She says Tucker's adjusting well to her new home, and he's bonded with her other cat, Poe, who has similar issues. Mm, she's a little collector. Okay, so animals in the news this week. Um, this was a really sweet story about um, a real country farmer in Scotland um, in an area called Perthshire, and he's been absolutely shell-shocked for about a week now after he took his very, very beautiful ram, um, who to the untrained eye, you know, would just look like another sheep, um, albeit with a rather fine coat. Alan Blackwood, however, believed that it sparkled. He said it was one of the best sheep that he'd ever bred. And off he went to the market in Lanark, Scotland, where um, he thought that it would sell for, get this, 40,000 pounds. Now that's um, looking at about 500,000 rand. That's <laughs> half a mil. And uh, he was really, really surprised when it actually fetched 152 million pounds. That is about 2.7 million rand. Now, I've taken a look at the photograph of this sheep. And um, I, I must admit, he does look kind of fetching. He's got really, really good um, thick back legs, which is apparently something that's looked for. And uh, he, he's, <laughs> he's got this beautiful coat. What they do for shows is they shave just the undercoat so that you can see um, his bone structure underneath and his tummy and sort of the insides of his legs. But, um, and they also shave their faces. Um, look, he's really cute, but I don't know if I'd pay 3.7 million rand for. Obviously, cuteness isn't the factor. It's for breeding purposes. So um, he'll be taken off and bred to make really, really good stock and to make more of, of these animals. His name's Sid, Sid Vicious, as I said. He was named after the Sex Pistol singer. He was only born in February this year, but according to the farmer, Alan Blackwood, he is close to perfection. So three farmers bought the lamb, the um, the sheep, and they plan to sire hundreds of lambs from it. They're also going to be selling doses of his sperm for at least a hundred pounds a time to other breeders who want to artificial ins artificially inseminate their ewes. It's um, the sheep's called the Texel sheep, and it's named after the island of Holland, where uh, or Holland rather, where the breed originated. So he has these commercial traits: um, chunky hindquarters, a fleshy spine good for breeding, good for, for pregnancy as well, and obviously makes really thick lamb chops, um, which is the fate that some of these animals will face. Um, but yes, the most expensive sheep sold previously was for £231,000, and that was in 2009, also in Scotland. So from that, the world's most expensive sheep, to the world's woolliest sheep. The world's woolliest sheep was discovered only this year and in fact it was last month and um, a lot of people got together and thought well let's let's do the do the best thing we can for him and give him a good shave he was discovered in Tasmania um, by farmers their names are Peter and Nettie Hazel and they were absolutely shocked by what they came across it's a sheep with an enormous coat of wool um, it's a merino sheep he's called Sean Sean the sheep haha and he's been in the international spotlight for being possibly the most woolly sheep alive. He's six years old, and he's believed to have never been shorn. The sheep apparently couldn't see very well because of all of the wool over his face. So they all got together and filmed the shearing of the sheep. And it's just something else. I mean, they, they start off by pulling, a, pulling apart his fur to see how deep it goes into his, into his body. Um, and I see a man with his hand into the crevice and his elbow is is just sticking out it's it's about a forearm long or deep this wool um and obviously a lot of time was spent on shearing him once he was shorn um his wool was put into an, a big bag that i could only describe as the size of a small car that's how much came off of him his fleece alone weighed 60 pounds so yes really really a good um relief to see that all of his wool had been shaved off 
It's quite great to watch that happen. Okay, heavy petting. Time for help a horny friend and a, a little update on South Africa's government stance on um, saving the rhino. And government has, in fact, repeated its intention to rope in people living around reserves and national parks to help curb, curb the ever-increasing rhino poaching. So basically, um, the Parliament's Environmental Affairs Portfolio Committee Chair, Jackson Tembo, has said in the National Assembly that the communities around um, these places and also children need to be pulled in to, to start protecting and conserving our heritage. Obviously, um, we, we realize that a lot of people in communities might come across these poachers and might even have conversations with them and might be able to help with information, which is really, really great. Okay, up next we've got discoveries, and we wanted to find out what happens when you raise walking fish entirely on land. So let's go back a bit. Walking fish, yes, these fish can walk. They also have lungs. Um, they're called bishers, and they're known for their strong fins and lungs, um, allowing them to walk and breathe out of water. And for a new study published in Nature, researchers from the U.S. have decided what would happen if they raised these fish entirely in terrestrial environments for eight months. This is what happened. This is a fish called a bashir. Bashirs are found in Africa, and like all fish, they live in water. That is, until they met researcher Emily Standen, who was working at McGill University in Canada. Standen thought that she would try raising bashir on land. Why, you ask? To see if it helps them walk. It isn't quite as mad as it sounds. Let's go back a step. Bashirs, unusually among fish, actually have lungs as well as gills, so they can breathe air. But having lungs doesn't mean you can walk, as demonstrated by this lung fish's failed attempts at perambulation. But there are fish that do take tentative steps onto land. Arguably, the masters of fishy walking are these, mudskippers. Bashirs too can make flappy forays over land, but they walk in a very different way. In fact, scientists think they walk like the ancestors of all tetrapods might have walked. Fisherpods, if you will. Studying how they react to a terrestrial environment could help us understand how the very first fishy footsteps were taken on land. Standin's bashirs grew up in a decidedly damp but totally terrestrial environment. She and her team set up some high-speed cameras, placed the bashirs on a stage and let them go. They compared their walking abilities with those of bashirs raised more traditionally, you know, in water. And they saw some differences, subtle but distinct. The landlubbers lifted their heads higher, planted their fins more efficiently and slipped less often than their aquatic associates. This suggests that bashirs have the ability to modify their behavior in response to their environment, a concept called plasticity. This is the first time that plasticity has been shown to be a potential facilitator of such a major evolutionary step as our ancestors crawling out of the seas and onto land. But it doesn't stop there. When Standen examined the skeletons of her land-living bashirs, she found that their muscles and bones had changed as they adapted to walking. It appears that the bashir's anatomy is as plastic as their behavior. These changes looked strikingly similar to the kinds of changes scientists see in the fossil record as ancient species started making the transition to land. It might not look elegant, but don't be deceived. After all, one small flappy step of our fishy ancestors may have led to the giant leaps of mankind. Petting on Cliff Central, I believe that Frankie, is, who is our little dog who's being pimped by Pimp My Pup, the mobile dog groomers, is uh, ready and uh, we'll have a little look at him now and analyze how good he looks.
and how good he smells and whether or not his nails have been polished. Jokes, although I believe that does happen. Okay, but before we get to that, um, I read the other day and it really made me think about things because I'm a nervous flyer. And if you are a nervous flyer, would watching cute animals on the screens help your nervousness? And I actually think it would really work. And in fact, British Airways have launched a cute animals TV channel. So nervous flyers are being encouraged to watch Pause and Relax is the name of the channel. It's a new channel showing calming footage of dogs and cats. And this is what it's all about. I'm Helena and I work for British Airways and we're here at Battersea Dogs and Cats Home on a photo shoot to help launch our new Pause and Relax channel. Well, the idea for Pause and Relax TV came when we were doing some research into uh, different types of content, content that will help our customers to relax and enjoy their flight. And we discovered some scientific research that proves watching images of cute animals can actually lower your heart rate uh, and uh, reduce your stress levels. Here at Battersea Dogs and Cats Home, we rescue, rehouse and rehabilitate up to 10,000 dogs and cats each year. It's really rewarding being a pet or dog owner, but you can definitely reap the benefits just by watching them playing around. So our initial launch lineup in September will be the animated feature Simon's Cat, which has been very popular online. And we've also got um, The Secret Life of Cats and also America's Cutest Dog. So that's what our customers can enjoy uh, in September. It got me thinking about um, when you need to relocate your pets as well and whether you can fly them or put them in an air-conditioned van. There are a whole lot of routes to take. Um, and if you are thinking of relocating them, um, just be aware that you probably won't be able to put them in, in the in the seat next to you, you do have to, to transport them differently. They can go onto the same plane as you. But um, if you go onto the Kululo British Airways site, you will be able to see exactly what the requirements are. Um, it's all got to do with weight. It's all got to do with the types of pet containers. Um, it's all got to do with the size of the pet containers because your animal needs to be able to stand up in the container and also turn around. A whole lot of different things and um, things that you need to take into consideration uh, it can be it can be quite traumatic for the pet, but these are some tips that might help you. Many dog owners fly with their dogs. If you're going to fly, only take a direct flight. The more layovers there are, the more changeovers there are, the more likely something's going to go wrong, the more likely your dog could get lost. In the summer, be sure to travel early or late in the day to avoid heat. Likewise, in the winter, try to travel in the middle of the day to avoid severe cold. Use a top-quality, airline-approved crate with lots of room for your dog to turn around in. Once you have your crate, cover it with stickers, paint, permanent markers, anything that calls attention to it and thus to your dog. Don't just leave your dog for the baggage handler to pick up until you actually see the baggage handler coming. And once he shows up, give him a tip. Ask him to please be sure your dog's okay. I can't tell you whether this really makes a difference, but it might make you feel better. Yeah, it can be stressful, especially for the owner. Just remember that if you are moving pets around, um, you're not allowed to fly puppies and kittens under 10 weeks old. Um, all mammals declared to be pregnant, unless they are accompanied by a vet, are also not able to travel less than six weeks into the gestation period. Um, and nursing females with suckling lung, young, suckling lung, also not able to, to, to fly around. So yeah, if that's what you're thinking about, um, and also, I mean, you have, to, there are a whole lot of different requirements for if you're transporting your pet outside of South Africa. I know that within South Africa, you need to have their rabies injections up to date as well. So try and make sure that you've always got that done. Um, okay. So. We've got Carla Rubin, who is back from um, Pump My Pet, and she's she's got Frankie. And I must say, Frankie looks absolutely adorable. He's been through the washing machine. He's been through the tumble dryer. He's been to the hairdresser. He smells absolutely beautiful. And um, actually, Carla, you describe what, you, what you've done with his hair. Okay, so basically, <laughs> <laughs> he got a, a, a lavender shampoo and mm -hmm. herbal conditioner. Um, and we obviously brush his knots out during the bath. He got his little rinse and then he's blow dry. That's why his hair is so straight and puffy. We put doggy perfume on him afterwards. <laughs> okay. And then he got his little neat and up, trim all the little important areas, the eyes, the paws. Yes. Nails clipped. Because he's a boy, he didn't get nail polish. <laughs> okay. 
And then he got his ears cleaned, which is also so important, which a lot of people forget about, is cleaning their ears. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a medical thing. That. Yes. Um, okay, so besides looking absolutely beautiful, mm-hmm. how important is it to keep your dog groomed from a health perspective? What are the sorts of things that could happen if you if you neglected your dog in terms of its, its grooming? I mean, we don't see a lot of neglect, um, but there are a few cases that we have come across where the dogs um, – get sores all over their bodies, they can get an abscess, um, they can get ear infections, gum infections. You can't believe the stuff that we've seen with some dogs. Mm-hmm. And um, I believe that you need to groom your dog a minimum of once a month. And it's just so important. I also believe that dogs who get groomed often live longer. I'm a 100% mm-hmm. believer of that. So what about what about a, a, a little animal? For instance, I've got a miniature pincher whose yeah. fur is very thin and yes. very short. yes. And to you, in a month's time, you'll wash your dog in a month's time. You think, oh, my gosh, this dog is not dirty. You mm-hmm. know, it just doesn't seem like your dog gets dirty. I still think it is so important to have, like I said, the ears cleaned. Mm. We brush teeth, which is so, so important. <laughs> Clip nails. They just need they, all the dead skin cells scrubbed off in the bath. So even if they don't smell because they have that short coat, mm. they still just need a really good scrub. It makes them feel better. It's just 100% better for them. But I know it's difficult for short-haired dogs because you think yeah. they're not that dirty. Yeah, you kind of think that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, especially if, you, if, you, if you're like my little Joey who sleeps in bed with me yeah. and sheds quite often. Oh, but, yes. But I suppose it's also um, it's a chance for the dog to be examined, really. 100%. Um, you don't always find little things. You know, you, you may, may not realize that it might have a tick yes. or something like that. Yes, we find a lot of things. We find lumps on dogs. We find tick bites. Um, all types of things that we have to make an owner aware of immediately, yeah. you know, because it obviously can be very dangerous. Yeah. yeah. Well, Carla Rubin from Pimp My Pup, thank you so much for coming thank today. You. Thank you for having me. Carla did arrive in her big vehicle with um, <laughs> with basins and all sorts of things and a team of people to help. Um, and you can check it out on Facebook if you're keen on having her over to your house. And uh, that's almost everything we've got today for heavy petting. Um, we mentioned the world's woolliest sheep just a short while ago, the merino sheep called Sean, who was finally Sean. And um, uh, let's hear a little bit more about that. Could this be the world's woolliest sheep? Two Australian farmers certainly hope so, as they believe the animal has not been sheared for six years. Peter and Nettie Hazel found this wandering woolly walking around the Tasmanian countryside over the weekend and nicknamed him Sean the Sheep. Um, he couldn't see very well because of the wool over his face, so I just snuck up behind him and, and grabbed hold of him. Then we went, Nettie and I went and got the ute and put him in the back of the ute. And... Eastern Highlands, they do call it. Yeah. Sean, who's thought to have been wandering in the wild for six years, may have never had his coat cut, and the farmers estimate the coat could weigh more than 20 kilograms. But he hasn't escaped the shears forever, as Peter and Nettie say they plan on shearing Sean to see if he can break the record for the most fleece-yielding animal. OK, yeah, that wraps it up for Heavy Painting on Clip Central. Thanks very much for listening and um, and thanks for downloading the podcast if that's what you've just done. Um, just so that you know, the podcast is available an hour after we've been live on air um, on cliffcentral.com. And that's it for today and we'll be back next week, Wednesday, 10 to 11. Up next on Cliff Central, it's Rookies and Rockstars with Jade and Simba. I think they're both here. Um, Simba's not here. It's just Jade today um, and she'll be holding holding the fort and I'm sure bringing you some interesting stuff. See you next week.